It's Friday, October 8th, 2021, and I'm your host, John B. from GangreenNation.com. Today we are going to preview the Week 5 game between the Jets and the Falcons from London, ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Jets are in London this weekend for a game against the Atlanta Falcons. It is the first London game for the Jets since 2015 when they defeated the division rival Miami Dolphins. And joining me today to preview the game is my friend David Wyatt, who writes with me at gangreennation.com. David, thanks so much for joining me again today. No worries at all, John. No worries at all. Really excited. London game. Let's go. And David was with us prior to the week three game against Denver. So hopefully, David, you're not bad luck. But after we finished recording that podcast, I was thinking this through and I realized that since the Jets will be in the UK in a few weeks, I really should have had you on for that preview. But of course, there are no rules that prohibit you from doing two preview shows. So welcome back. Thanks very much. I mean, I, I hope I'm not bad luck. I mean, uh, I've only been to one Jets game live, and that was that Dolphins game. So technically, I've got 100% success rate when I'm going to watch the Jets. So let's hope it continues. That is not very common, David. The Jets have not <laughs> given us many wins through the years, but they are coming off their first win of the 2021 season. It was a thrilling game against the Tennessee Titans, and it was Zach Wilson's best performance so far as a pro. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we saw exactly what. We wanted to see from Zach when we took him to overall, didn't we? You know, it's, I, I like that he completed in the pocket as well as out of structure. So that's that's good to see. And I, I don't know if you saw it, but um, uh, Smith, the, the Falcons head coach, has basically come out and said, the way we need to do this is we need to keep Zach in the pocket. Um, but I think he can beat you in the pocket as well, can't he? Like, he, I don't think he's one-dimensional. I don't think he can only beat you out of structure. No, absolutely not. You know, I've been talking about all of Zach Wilson's big plays outside the structure, and that's where he hit the three longest passes, at least the passes that traveled the furthest through the air. But you did see him have some success within the pocket. You're beginning to see, I think, a little bit of growth. And I think it is always important to keep expectations in check. This is a rookie after all. But there is progress here if you if you're looking for a comparison between week one, week two, week three, week four. I think we saw Zach Wilson make some steps last week against Tennessee. Absolutely. I think I saw, I think I can't remember which, which catch it was, but it was the one to Keelan Cole. I think it might have been in the fourth quarter where he kind of dropped it right into his breadbasket when he, and he stayed in the pocket where he could have, he could have tried to escape, but I think it was third and two and he dropped that ball right in there. And I was kind of like, that's, that's the kind of throw that makes me feel confident about the direction he's going you're absolutely right though there are going to be some difficult moments um hopefully not this sunday but there are going to be some difficult moments for zach he's he's not going to be perfect the rest of the season um but just seeing that that's that does that did that make you feel a little bit more confident yeah it does it i know exactly the play you're talking about i think it was in overtime and he threw with anticipation like he read the defense perfectly the ball was on time. I think it was one of those throws that he threw it actually before the receiver was open because he was reading the defense and he saw that Cole was going to be open. He just threw a perfect pass. It's a learning process. I think one thing we don't appreciate is how difficult it is to adjust to the NFL. 
if you look at the guys who have success, they're typically the guys who have a great team around them because they're not asked to do a whole lot. And this situation is not as dismal as it was with Sam Darnold or Geno Smith or even Mark Sanchez's last couple of years in with the Jets. But it's not like Patrick Mahomes inherited in Kansas City. There are still going to be some rough moments in part because Jets are probably going to ask Wilson to do too much in certain weeks. But the thing I look for a rookie quarterback, are there, are there those flashes where you really look like you belong? And a win like that's one of those things that I think can sustain you through some of the rougher weeks. Yeah, I think we needed it. I think we needed it. The, the narrative was was starting to get a little bit down. Uh, you could sense the fans getting a little bit frustrated. Um, and even this week, kind of, even after Denzel Mims, you know, that was, that for me is a nutshell conversation because it's kind of, it hasn't, been a conversation this week and that's what winning does it does just change the narrative a little bit and people have a little bit more patience now and they they can see what we're trying to do they can see the building work and it's and it's not just Zach and I think that's what's so promising is that there's so many players on this roster who are young and who are developing for our eyes you know Michael Carr the second you know, I'm, I'm so excited about him you know I wasn't when we drafted him I didn't know anything about him but now I'm watching it and, and when you watch the game film back you kind of see his break on the ball and you're kind of like no, this is a good player. This is a good player that we can build from. Bryce Hall, another one. So, you know, there is so much to be excited about. But I feel like we needed that win. We needed that little bit of positivity. You know, going to Owen 4, then coming over to London, and then having a bye week if we lost that one. It just starts to uh, just, just get on you. And uh, it looked like a relief to the players. I mean, Salah looked delighted at the end, as he should be. And the, the post-game locker room scenes, which I always love seeing, because there's just so much excitement in there. Um, was really good to see. I mean, I'm, I'm happy we're off the off the mark in that win column for sure. Absolutely, and I think the frustration from the first three weeks was not about the first three weeks. I think it's just like 11 years of bad football that's piled up that just had this fan base so irate. And I think whenever you go through an off season with a new head coach, there's so much optimism, and then for the Jets to come out the first couple of weeks and play like that, it just kind of brought you back to how frustrating this team has been to watch. So I think you said it; they needed to win that this was a team that just needed a win. Now everybody can exhale a little bit. Everybody can enjoy and appreciate that. Maybe we're building something here. Absolutely. Well, let's see if we can plug two wins together in a row. I mean, that would that would go a long way going into the bye week at two and three, wouldn't it? I'm trying to think of the exact quote from the movie Major League. The manager, Lou Brown, said something like, if we win today and then we win tomorrow, that's what we call a winning streak. So <laughs> let's talk about how we can get the Jets on a winning streak here. And on paper, this actually could be a somewhat favorable matchup because the Falcons' pass defense has really struggled so far this season. So maybe signs of optimism for Zach heading into this game. 100%. 100%. I was looking through the Falcons' lineup last night, and I was kind of... The offensive side of the ball is kind of obvious. You've got some big names on there. And I was kind of looking to the defensive side, and I, was, I, I failed to see anyone that really scared me. I mean, is there, is there anyone there that scares you in terms of a pass rush perspective or as a, a shutdown corner? Because I couldn't find one. I think Grady Jarrett's a guy who's always been on my radar. He's a tremendous interior lineman. So, I mean, that's the guy you look at, especially I, I'm sure at some point they'll get him matched up against Van Roten. So that's the one, maybe the one guy who <laughs> gives me a little bit of pause and, you know, part of it's because he's going against Van Roten. But Outside of that, I mean, there really are not many great players on this defense. I know Deion Jones has a good reputation, but he's I think he's kind of struggled in coverage so far this season. It, it really is not a great unit. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and 
you know, just looking at the past, Ross Connor, you have got Dante Fowler, who is highly, highly regarded coming out of um, coming out of college, but you know, probably not as good as as many expected him to be. Uh, I think he's had some injury issues, which has probably slowed him down a little bit. Um, I was reading some quotes about their cornerbacks. I think I think a few of them have come under quite a lot of fire. TJ Green, in, in particular, was um, the man coverable for Washington's big touchdown last week in the fourth quarter. So, you know, their cornerbacks don't scare me at all. Their, their coverage ability doesn't scare me. So I think, you know, if you were looking for a game to get Zach Wilson back-to-back positive performances, uh, Atlanta are probably a team that you're, you're going to be pretty confident about going in. You know, this is famous last words because now they'll shut us out or something. But it doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare me at all. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking we shouldn't be talking this much about how bad Atlanta's pass defense is because just watch. Just go out and play terribly. And now <laughs> everybody's in panic mode because this terrible pass defense shut down the Jets. But I think there is one point that does need to be made is through these first three weeks, and this is something I don't think I've talked about enough, the Jets faced three really good pass defenses in Carolina, Denver, and New England. And I think sometimes we forget that there's another team out there. We always focus on what the Jets are doing wrong, but there were three other teams that were, do- were doing something right in those games. And sometimes it's not just about your players failing. It's about the other guys having success. Absolutely. I mean, they're all out there trying to succeed in it. And I think you're absolutely right. We, we're so... You know, we're so one-sided because obviously we see it from a Jets perspective and a Jets perspective only. So if on a certain play someone gets beaten or someone doesn't catch the ball or the throws off, we're kind of like, oh, they really they messed up. Whereas really, you've got to look at the other side and say, well, you know, that linebacker or that cornerback, they're being paid to stop this play from being a success. Right? So it's not always about it's as black and white as failure and successes, is it? It's kind of, you know, it's important that we... <laughs> remember that those guys are getting paid just as much as our guys and and they're just sometimes they're they get the job done and that's kind of all there is to it but you know I'm hoping that we can outmaneuver them I think Zach in or out the pocket is going to be absolutely fine I mean I I like one matchup in particular that um which is John Franklin Myers against Caleb McGarry I don't know if you've looked but Caleb McGarry is having a, a pretty torrid time at the minute their right tackle so that looks like a good matchup, doesn't it? JFM's playing well. Caleb's not playing well. That that could be something for us to exploit there. Absolutely. And the other thing I'm focused on in this game is whether the Jets can get the run game going. And in some ways, maybe that was an encouraging part of Zach Wilson's performance. Is that the Jets did not establish the run at all against Tennessee. And despite that, Zach had such a big game. But we know that this offense, in theory, is supposed to be built around the run game and the blocking just hasn't been there yet. I would like to see the Jets run the ball effectively in this game. And I think it's the blocking because you look at Michael Carter run the ball. He looks pretty effective. He looks like he's maximizing everything he can get out there. And maybe it's just as simple as the Jets need to block better. I think you've hit it nail on the head there. I think it is it is the blocking because when, when he does get a little bit of time and a little bit of space, and we're not talking about open lanes where he's just strolling through. We're just talking about a little bit of time where the, it hasn't got a defender in his face you know, 0.4 seconds after taking the handoff. He is actually quite shifty. And we saw a couple of runs with Tevin Coleman. Um, you know, I, I hope they keep with Michael Carter as the feature back. But Tevin brought a little bit to that party as well. But it, it does come down to the offensive line. I mean, I, I don't know what what you think about Van Roten in terms of his pass blocking has been awful, but historically it hasn't been as bad as it is this year. Is it just a bit of a downside, a bit of a down period to start the season? Or is he really this bad? I don't think he's great. 
I do think people are maybe overstating how bad he is. Like when I watch him and I mentioned this yesterday on the, an earlier podcast this week, I don't see a guy like Wayne Hunter where like this guy is singularly dragging the offense down. Like it's this guy's fault that the offense stinks or you go back a few years earlier, the jets had this guard Adrian Clark after they traded Pete Kendall, where you could really pinpoint the offensive struggles to this guy, just destroying the offensive line. I don't think it's that, that point with Van Roten. And honestly, like if he's your fifth best lineman, I feel like that's something you can get away with. That said, he has not been good. I mean, I watched the run plays against Tennessee over and at least in the early going, a lot of the failures go back to him. So I guess I fall somewhere in between. I don't think he's playing well. I don't think he's as bad as people are making him out to be, but he is an issue. He's definitely an issue. He is definitely an issue. But I, th- I think you are right. I don't think he is the sole issue. He's not as bad as the guys that you just mentioned. But it's just noticeable this year. I looked at some of the running kind of directions. And, and every time we kind of try and go his side, it's significantly lower than when we go towards the left, which is probably because of Vera Tucker's such a good run blocker. I mean, he started his career, had a few hiccups in terms of the pass protection early in the season but he's even coming on there he had one of the I think he had one of the highest grades um of any guard in week four for his pass protection his run blocking's always been pretty decent but I remember you know in the game against Tennessee we were trying these pitches kind of pitches outside tackle and it just really wasn't working um even that was one that sticks in my head was when Crowder missed the block on the outside and I think it was Michael Carter who got got blown up for a three-yard loss but I don't know if we just need to simplify the run game a little bit more and just stick to some of the areas where we know we can we can run behind. So, you know, go in between Conor McGovern and, and Vera Tucker because that seems to have been the most successful rushing direction that we've had so far this season. Absolutely. And I think whenever Becton gets back, he'll help quite a bit in that area. And, you know, say what you will about Becton. I think he's a big upgrade as a run blocker over George Fant. Oh, 100%. 100%. That is what, that's his bread and butter, isn't it? I mean, he's just a mauler and... You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing Beckton and, and Vera Tucker on that left-hand side because they should open up some significant running lanes for our running backs. Maybe the offensive line could use some Built Bars to get ready for this game. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. There are nine delicious flavors, and if you haven't tried all of them, you can get a mixed box where you get two each of the nine flavors. And not only are Built Bar flavors the best-tasting, but they're healthy too. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at built, B-U-I-L-T dot com. All right, well, David, let's talk about the defense, and you already alluded to one of the favorable matchups for the Jets in this game. It's a guy who's playing very well, John Franklin Myers. Yeah, I just think John Franklin Myers is just having a, a great season. You know, his his stats are, are there, but the, it's the eye test as well. I mean, he's just causing problems. There was a there was a play against Tennessee where he kind of used the lineman as a battering ram to bring down Derek Henry, and I'm kind of like, that's that's pretty impressive. And then he kind of had a bit of speed and swim move to get to his sack. I mean, you know, obviously we're missing Carl Lawson. You're not going to replace Carl Lawson with the guys we've got on the roster, but. It's nice to see John Franklin Myers on one side, and how good is Bryce Huffman on the other side? I mean, you know, he's not he's not playing at an all pro level, but for an undrafted free agent, I feel like he's making some moves and maybe going a little bit underrated just because of how good Frank Franklin Myers has been. Absolutely, you know, I looked at these two guys heading into the season, and I thought, all right, well, these are guys who are decent role players. I'm not expecting 
that much. And Franklin Myers is more than a decent role player. He was an excellent role player for the Jets last year. So I'm probably underselling him by saying that. But I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting these guys to take on such a prominent role and be so successful. And, you know, you go across the line. Quinn and Williams began to play well a couple of weeks ago against Denver. He had a big game last week. You have Foley Fatukasi, who's developed into an excellent tackle inside. And Sheldon Rankins has been a little bit more quiet, but had maybe the play that saved the game for the Jets last week. It was something that I noticed. He generated a pressure on the third down against Ryan Tannehill that forced the Tennessee field goal. Tannehill had a guy wide open over the middle, and Rankins' pressure forced him to hold the ball and eventually just kind of throw it away to a check down target. So this defensive line, even without Carl Lawson, I'm surprised how well they're playing. Imagine how good they'd be with Carl Lawson if you could kind of rotate these guys and rest Lawson and Franklin Myers and Huff and, and keep them fresher for longer because you're absolutely right. Sheldon Rankins, we, I, we kind of spoke about him in the offseason being a good acquisition if he could stay healthy. And fingers crossed he's managed to stay healthy so far. So, I mean, that's a massive positive, but I can't help but think how good would this defensive line be with Carl Lawson? I mean, it's arguably a top 10 line as it is. Would it be a top five? Would it be one of the best in the league? I, So far, if these guys continue to play at their level, I think you can take a case. And the Jets are obviously strong up front. The back end of the defense, I think, is playing above our expectations as well. But I see one matchup this weekend that could cause them trouble, and that's the first-round pick, Kyle Pitts, going up against these linebackers and safeties. How do you think the Jets try and slow him down? It's a great question. It's a great question. And honestly, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, CJ Mosley is, is played fantastically, but he's, you know, he's a little bit better in coverage because he's slimmed down a little bit. But do you trust Quincy Williams in coverage? Probably not so much. Do you trust Jamie Sherwood? I haven't seen enough to do it. I mean, I, I think this is the big disadvantage. I think, I think Pitts could be in for a, a career day. Um, I don't know, you know, who, who on our roster would you put up against Pitts in an ideal world to try and slow him down? I think you mix and match, to be honest with you. I think lots of zone, and you. I think he's a guy you kind of focus on trying to take away, so maybe you try and bracket him. I'm not sure the Jets have anybody who can match up with him one-on-one, and I think in general that's just true across the league. There's a reason he went so high in the draft is that he's just a tough matchup for most teams. Now, the one thing that you have going for you is that I don't think the Falcons really figured out how to use him yet because he's off to kind of a slow start, so... Maybe the answer is, you know, there was an old joke that there was only one person who could hold Michael Jordan to under 20 points a game, and it was his college coach, Dean Smith, because of the way he used him. Uh, you know, maybe it's maybe as much as anything, the Jets will benefit because Atlanta hasn't really figured out how to utilize him yet. Well, let's hope they don't figure that out this this weekend, because there's only a matter of time before they, they put him in the right situations to succeed. So I'm hoping that's not going to be um, not going to be this weekend. But I think you're right. Using the, using some bracket coverage, using a lot of zone, um, get some of our cornerbacks down on him as well. You don't always have to match up with him physically to be able to stop him. You could you know do different bits and pieces. So it's it's a key matchup. But if you look at Atlanta, they've got a few um, a few players that can hurt you, and none more so than Cordell Patterson, who's having one of the renaissance for the ages, isn't he? Yes, he is. I remember back in uh, 2013, I made a joke because he was projected as a first-round pick, and it was right after the Jets had traded Revis. I made a joke that if the Jets picked him in the first round, it would be 
it would end their five-day drought of having a player with Darrell in his first name. I think he's been a huge I – mean, I don't think he, – he's been a huge disappointment in his NFL career. He's been a decent kickoff return guy. He's been a decent gadget player. But, yeah, he looks good so far. I'm going to ask you, John, just for your opinion on – because I've been having this conversation with a few um, few people on, on the podcast um, about Elijah Moore coming back and how do they mix in Elijah Moore with, with Jamison Crowder you know, do you see them eating into each other's snaps, or can they can they thrive on the same same starting kind of unit? Well, it's been a bit surprising because from what I've seen, it looks like Elijah Moore has been playing mostly on the outside, and that plays into the whole Denzel Mims thing because Braxton Berrios, I think, was the guy who really lost out from Crowder's return. He lost a lot of his snaps. He lost a lot of his targets. So I think that yeah, they will play a lot together. I, I think if there's been a surprise with player deployment so far this year, it's been how little I, Elijah Moore's played in the slot. So I do think that they'll play together a lot. And you know, there's some questions about this because a lot of people think Moore's a more natural slot receiver. But I got to tell you, looking at the routes he's running, look at his, looking at his releases from the line, I don't see any issue with him playing outside. And I do think that he and Crowder can play together. I don't think he's a guy who needs to be confined to the slot. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And that kind of goes back to what you saw at Ole Miss as well in, in terms of his release from the line. And it's, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but you don't necessarily need to be if your release is so good and your rerun is so good. Um, I think my thing just came up because I was, I was reading some of the beat reporters' guys' um, comments and they were kind of saying, you know, Elijah Moore, majority of the, of the preseason was playing the slot because obviously Crowder was out and he was looking phenomenal. And then obviously when the season started, he, he moved outside quite a lot over the first um, three games and probably didn't look as comfortable or look as good on outside as he he had when he played in the slot in the preseason so I was just wondering if they would maybe move him back to get that comfort level just to almost get him going because he, he looked a little bit tentative against Denver there were a couple of players where I thought you know doesn't look like the Elijah Moore that we kind of saw in, at Old Miss and the, the Elijah Moore we saw in the preseason yeah you know I, I guess the way I look at it is if they didn't play him in the slot when Barrios was the alternative. I feel like they're not going to when Crowder's there. <laughs> that's maybe that's that's just my view on it. I could be wrong on that. Now, listen, I think he will move into the slot at times. I think you'll see Corey Davis in the slot at times, but I think for the most part, you'll probably see him outside with Crowder in the slot and Davis as the other outside receiver. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him get going. So I feel like he just needs one of those games or one of those catches kind of like a, a Keelan Cole catch from Sunday, which kind of just ignites the offense. I think a catch like that for Elijah Moore will, will just ignite him a little bit. Absolutely. Sometimes it just takes one play and it, it, suddenly everything clicks. It's so, it's so true. David and I are about to make our picks for this week five game between the Jets and the Falcons. And if you want to make picks for money, go to Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Anyway, David, let's make our predictions for this game. You can go first. I'm going to go with the Jets win. I'm, I, I need to be confident. Um, I'm heading down there. I can't wait to, to be there. If anyone's down there and sees someone wearing a Michael Carter, the, the second T-shirt, 
I'm probably going to be the only one wearing that. So um, come over and say hi. Uh, I'm going to go for 27, um, 21. Let's go. Yeah, 27, 21 to the Jets. That would not be the most ridiculous jersey or T-shirt I've ever seen at a Jets game. I mean, David, you go to MetLife Stadium. I've seen Dwayne Robertson jersey. I saw a Quincy Carter jersey once. Quincy Carter, who was the Jets' backup quarterback for one year in 2004, and I think started like two or three games. Somebody had his Quincy Carter jersey the last time I went to MetLife Stadium. So was it Quincy Carter? It was Quincy Carter. Yeah, it was. It, it, but was it the actual player himself? Maybe it was, yeah. I mean, that might be the only guy. I didn't even know they sold Quincy Carter jerseys. But yeah, well, it was good. It was amazing. I should have. I really should have out of curiosity. You know, I should not pick the Jets in this game because I think we've seen that whatever I predict, the opposite happens. I picked them to win week one against Denver. I picked them to week, win week two against New England. I picked them to lose week three the last time we did this. But I said, I said they'd play well. They did not. Then last week, I picked them to not play so well, and they won. So I guess I have to go with Atlanta, don't I? Yeah, I would. I would. Let's, let's keep that, that streak going. Um, but but how, how much? How, Atlanta by how much? Let's say my unofficial pick will be Atlanta by 30. But I think I will say Atlanta by three. Uh, that'll be the official pick. It'll be Atlanta because I, I don't think the Jets are going to get blown out in this game, and I think they have a good shot. I, I think this is kind of like a coin toss game, but in order to keep the luck going, I will pick Atlanta. I'll pick the Falcons by a field goal. Yeah, I think we might see some points. I think we might see some points in this game. All right, well, David, thanks as always for joining me. Hope we have you again later this season. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Set your alarm early for Sunday morning and enjoy the game. We will talk about it on Monday.